And uh, I just want to thank uh, our elders, uh, the wisdom that God has given each one of them, and how they just bless me with uh, their humility and desire uh, to serve the Lord and bless this church. Uh, thank God for our multimedia ministry and uh, the, just the, the, the unique gifts that uh, make this ministry possible. If it were not for our multimedia uh, ministry, we would not be able to have a voice in your home. And, and so I'm grateful. I'm grateful for Brother Brian's, um, Rollins' leadership, and just continue to pray for him. And thank God for all of those who uh, were afflicted with COVID-19. All of us have tested negative. We're doing fine. And so we're continuing to, to pray for each of you that you don't have to experience what we did uh, by being uh, careless. Uh, we do want you to be cautious and that you will find uh, God, uh, pr God's protection on you. God never fails. God never fails. He abides with me. He gives me victory. For God never fails. Just keep your faith and never, never cease to pray. Walk upright morning, noon, day, and night. God said he'd be there and there's no need to worry because God never fails. God never fails. God never fails. He abides with me. He gives me victory. For God never fails. Just keep your faith and never, never cease to pray. Walk upright morning, noon, day, and night. He said he'd be there and there's no need to worry because God never fails. Amen, amen. We don't have the praise and worship thing with us today, but thank God for the old, old uh, spirituals that we sung many years ago, and they're still true today. God, God never fails. God never fails. Now turn with me to the book of Hebrews, chapter 11, chapter 11, beginning in the 23rd verse. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called. This is verse 24. By faith, when Moses became of age, he refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God 
than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater, greater of, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt, and he looked for the reward. Now here's the key verse. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. It was after Moses endured, after he remained steadfast, after he hupomenoed, remained under pressure, didn't give in to temptation, walking by faith that he who is invisible revealed himself to Moses. When we frame our faith, when we frame our focus by faith, you are not going to take shortcuts. There'll be no shortcuts. Uh, as a freshman in college, I trusted Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. And the person that was discipling me, her name was Mrs. Anderson. And I remember one day she told me after a concert that I did not know the Bible, and she was, she was, she was accurate on that. But she gave me an assignment over the Christmas holidays. She gave me, oh, maybe three, three, 300 Bible verses to memorize. And, and uh, I just, she circled some, about 10 of the 300, and told me to memorize those, wanting to impress her. I decided when I come back off of the spring, off of the Christmas break, I'm going to have all of the verses memorized. So my motive for learning the verses was wrong. But what I didn't anticipate is how God literally used his word to transform my life from the inside out. I was never the same after I committed the word of God to memory. It actually changed me in such a way that it impacted me academically. I went from a struggling student to a highest honor student. And God just used his word to just expand my interest and uh, give me the ability to have a confidence in my ability to retain information. And I remember my, my college roommate, and I'm not going to call his name because he might be watching. Uh, he said, how do you get such good grades, and why is your GPA higher than mine? Uh, I'm smarter than you. And when he asked the question and made that statement, I really didn't know how to respond at that time. It was later when God revealed to me the answer. What I observed about my roommate is when I was up at night into the wee hours of the morning, brother was sleeping. When the end of our work day and classes was over, I was reviewing my notes and reading my textbooks while brother was out hanging out. And whenever I had to take a test, if I had to stay up all night to learn what I needed to know to, to, to ace the test, I paid the price. I didn't take any shortcuts, but he was so smart. In his own mind, he didn't have to read and, and, and stay up late. It didn't require all of that. He took shortcuts while expecting the full benefit 
of excellent grades by not putting in the effort. I want you to know anything that is worth having will not be yours if you are a person who, like my roommate, wants to take shortcuts. If you're going to frame your faith focused by faith, you cannot be a shortcut person. Living by faith in God's word isn't a microwavable experience. You cannot door dash true faith that pleases God. Living by faith cannot be snapshotted. True faith percolates under fire before it can be poured out and fully enjoyed. It percolates under fire, under stress, under temptation, under suffering before you can fully enjoy what is being, what is, what is enduring the fire by faith. Living by faith over extended period of time requires that you don't take shortcuts. Now, I know some of you, as you're listening to me, you're sick and tired of COVID-19, and you already got your Thanksgiving plans, all of them lined up. You hear what they say, but you're going to have all your family, or we're going to eat our turkey. We're going to eat that fried chicken. We're going to be together, and we're going to have a super spreader event. <laughs> but if you decide to take a shortcut and not be willing to hoopo minnow, endure under pressure, you may be responsible for killing one of your relatives. Reading about a man who didn't believe that COVID-19 was real and he would never wear a mask. He went to visit his mother. She contracted COVID as once he was tested positive. She died. And now he has on his conscience the, the reality that his unwillingness to endure, to, to sacrifice, to wear a mask, to maintain social distancing while keeping your dirty hands clean, cost his mother her life. How would you like to have that on your conscience after you think about how you enjoyed that turkey? Faith that is focused by the word of God, that is framed by the word of God, doesn't take shortcuts. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 23 through 28, we read about Moses and his parents, Aram and Jochebed. They provide an example of how true mature faith doesn't take shortcuts. And it, what's interesting, as we begin to turn our attention to these verses in Hebrews chapter 11, uh, it was interesting, I was looking at some of, some of the uh, 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 similar words, interesting definition uh, that uh, a definition for the word shortcut. It means to avoid having to comply with something, especially through cleverness. Avoiding to com comply to something, especially through cleverness. And here's some of the related words to the word shortcut. It means to dodge, to bypass, to avoid, to duck, elude, evade, ignore, or get around. We always want a shortcut. We, just, we go to that icon, and it, it, it accesses us to all kinds of information. We don't want to be waiting in line long. But when you elude, when you avoid what you need to go through, to grow through, the consequences can be devastating. Now, consider with me three things that faith 
that doesn't take shortcuts look like. And this is what the chapter 11 in the book of Hebrews, basically, it tells us what faith looks like. Faith is the substance of things hoped for and the evidence of things not seen. And then we get multiple examples of what that looks like when it is being lived out in reality through the obedience of God's children to his word. What does faith look like when it doesn't take shortcuts? The first thing that we're going to discover that faith looks like in verse 23, faith that doesn't take shortcuts suffers in the present to protect and provide for the future of others. Faith suffers in the present to, pro to protect and to provide for the future of others when it doesn't take shortcuts. Here's the second thing that we're going to discover. Faith refuses to use position or privilege to experience temporary sinful pleasures that displease God. It refuses to use position and privilege to experience the temporary pleasures of sin when they displease God. And finally, we're going to see faith accepts God's word as the truth and it obeys it. Faith accepts God's word as truth or as the truth and obeys. Now, faith suffers in the presence of in the present to protect and to provide for the future of others. In verse 23, here are the words that we read concerning Aram and Jochebed, the parents of Moses. The Bible says, by faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was, not he was no ordinary child or that he was beautiful in the old King James and new King uh, Chang James translation, and they were not afraid of the king's command. They were not afraid. They hid their son for three months when they saw that he was not an ordinary child, that he was beautiful, and therefore they hid him and they were not afraid of the king's command. Now, <clears throat> what pressure was Moses' parents uh, willing to suffer to protect and to provide for his future. In Exodus chapter 1, verse 22, the Bible says, Then Pharaoh gave this order to all of his people that every Hebrew boy that was born, you must throw into the Nile, you must drown or watch drown, but every girl can be left alive or spared. The law of the land that was uh, pronounced by the king was for the Hebrew parents to commit genocide. Genocide is the deliberate killing of large numbers of people from a particular nation or group, and the aim is to destroy that entire group of people or nation. The goal is to destroy. And so what Pharaoh gave as a order, which you could suffer consequences for disobeying, was to kill Every male infant, if, if a woman had a boy, the first thing that they were supposed to do was to obey Pharaoh by drowning their son in the Nile. Rather than obey the law, Aram and Jochebed, the parents of Moses, suffered in the present to protect and to provide for Moses' future by faith. 
If they had took, taken the shortcut, they would have followed the requirements of the law to spare themselves the suffering. But they were willing to go through. They were willing to hoopo minnow, to remain under, to be steadfast, to trust God under pressure while they obeyed his word to protect their newborn son. Now, what are some of the pressures that parents face today? One of the pressures that parents are facing today, aside from having to do homeschooling, is the, is the pressure of postponing having children without consulting God. We wait until it's convenient. Uh, people say, make sure you travel first. Those kids going to tie you down. Make sure you get your education. Some people actually will tell you, I don't like kids, don't want to have kids. I got a pet. But the Bible says that we ought to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts, lean not to our own understanding, that we ought to include him in every decision by acknowledging him in all of our ways that he may direct our path. And so one of the ways that we are under pressure today in the present as parents is to make decisions about our family without consulting God. Here's another uh, pressure point for parents today. Putting to death unplanned and unwanted children after conception. Now, the Bible clearly teaches that life begins at conception. As soon as that egg is fertilized by the man's sperm, life starts according to the word of God. And so the pressure is to put to death if, it's not, if the baby's not planned or unwanted, you're not ready. Uh, the, 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 the answer to how to rid yourself of that responsibility is to put to death that child. Listen to what Psalm 139, verses 13 through 14 says. For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb when I was conceived. I will praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows well. And so the pressure is on families today about allowing children that are, that are not planned or unwanted to be aborted. Here's a third area where parents are under pressure. Parents are parenting children biblically when it's Politically incorrect. The Bible says, unless the Lord builds a house, they that labor, in, they, the, labors, the labor labors in vain who builds it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman keeps awake in vain. In vain you stay up, you, you, you rise up early and, and, and sit up late to eat the bear to salt. But he said, I give my own restful sleep. I give my own peaceful sleep. And so we as parents, we should not be trying to be our children's friends. They don't need us as their buddies. They need us to be their parents. We don't want to be politically correct. We want to be biblically correct. But there's a lot of pressure on parents to, get a, to go along, to get along with their children. Here's another area how we are pressured. Prioritizing temporal over the eternal by pursuing stuff rather than quality time with our families. The Bible says, what shall it profit a man if you gain the entire world and you lose your family, you lose your soul? 
And so we prioritize the wrong things. There's pressure to, to work and live in the nicest house, to have the nicest car, and, 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 and go to the best schools. And all those things are important. But the scripture says, but seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all of these things shall be added. Here's a, a fifth and final thing I want to share. And obviously, this is not all the, the areas that parents are under pressure, but I'm just sharing a few. Practicing biblical principles in marriage when man's law has redefined marriage and its roles. When you get a chance, look at the architect and the person who established the blueprint and the originator and the, and, and the copyright owner of marriage. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 18 through 24, and then in Matthew chapter 19, verses 1 through 12, where the Bible talks about God's order for marriage. We don't define marriage by how the Supreme Court determines marriage should be defined and what the roles in marriage should be. We go to the word of God, which is our absolute authority and final determiner for what we believe and how we live. Now, here's the point of, of, of what, what I'm talking about, this present, the willingness not to take a shortcut, but to, to suffer as did Aram and Jochebed. They were willing to go through present suffering in order to protect and to provide for their son's future. I'm trying to simply say that pressure ain't new. They went through it, they made it, and they weren't willing to shortcut, take clever out, ways out to get to the end without going through the fire of testing that God had already predetermined for them. Faith suffers in the present to protect and to provide for the future. Stay with me. Now, why was Moses, why were Moses' parents able and willing to suffer hupomeneo, to, to remain under the test, under the threat of losing their lives, under the threat of going into prison, under the threat of being ostracized by their neighbors, under the threat of being outed by them. Why were they willing and able? One of the reasons that they were able is that faith sees potential in others. The Bible says when Moses was born, his parents saw something. The scripture says, because they saw that he was beautiful. The Hebrew word that is rendered beautiful in the old King James and the new King James translation and other versions is, is translated as unusual. They saw him as unusual, as special, as unique. They saw Moses as exceptional and out of the ordinary. They saw his future. What happens is when you look at your children and, 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 and others through the eyes of faith, you see potential. You see, as Moses' parents did, they saw what Moses could become. They saw his potential. Faith sees what you, what you and others can become. That's why the angel of the Lord, when you go to uh, the book of, uh, of Judges, the angel of the Lord found Gideon. He was hiding. He was terrified. He was shaking in his boots, working at night in a, in a wine press, and, and, and making wheat in a wine press. You're talking about dysfunctional. And when the angel of the Lord introduced himself as to, to Gideon, he, he, he identified Gideon, Gideon by saying, mighty man of valor. Now, Gideon was no mighty man of valor from our perspective. He was a coward. But when God looks at us, 
He sees us as, as out of the ordinary. He sees us as exceptional. He sees us as fearfully and wonderfully made. He saw Gideon for what he could be, what he could become. He saw potential. When you are willing to not take shortcuts, when you are operating in biblical faith, you will suffer in the present to protect the future of those you love because you see potential God shows you potential. Here's another one. Faith sees purpose, God's purpose. While potential speaks of what we can become, purpose has to do with what, with the why we must become what we can become. So they not only saw the potential in their son, Moses, they saw purpose. The Bible talks about the, the entire body of Christ is made up of many members, but every member is important because each member has a purpose. The reason why God placed us on this planet, he gave you not only potential to become everything that you could be in Jesus Christ as we are conformed to his image, but he has a specific role in a ministry, in a gifting, in a destiny for you. It's called purpose. And so when you look at your children and those who you love, you will be willing to take the long route of suffering, remaining under, and being steadfast with your eyes on the prize because you see potential, you see purpose. Faith also seeks to please God rather than man. Uh, the scripture says, they were not afraid of the king's command. They were not afraid. I'm not afraid of COVID-19. I'm not afraid of what Donald Trump is doing on Pennsylvania Avenue in Washington, D.C. I'm not afraid of how all of this is going to work out because I know how this is going to end. It's going to end just like God said it would. And faith is able to, to focus on pleasing God rather than succumbing to the fear of man. We don't put man on the throne. We allow God to occupy, occupy his rightful position. And so they were re willing and ready and able to go through present suffering to protect and to provide for the future of Moses because they didn't fear man. One of the greatest stories in the Bible is about Joseph. You remember the story of Joseph. You go back to Genesis chapter 39. His brothers hated him. They were jealous of him because his father gave him a coat of multi, a multicolored coat, a coat of favor. God's favor was on, on Joseph's life. He gave Joseph a, a vision that he didn't fully understand. But based on that vision, Joseph made decisions for his life. And even as he was going through present suffering, he always had in mind what God had shown him. He was always trying to protect and to provide for the future of others. And so when the, when the vision is finally being fulfilled, his brothers who don't recognize him, they're bowing in at, at, the, at the feet of Joseph, just like God had predicted that they would. And when they laughed at him and they called him names and they beat him up and threw him into, uh, into a pit and, and left him for dead and then ultimately throw 
sold him into slavery. They thought he was dead, but here they are kneeling in the presence of the, of the prophetic one that God had spoken over. And now Joseph is walking his potential. And, and when he revealed himself to his brothers, they understood that they were in trouble. He was in the, he was, uh, Joseph was second in power to Pharaoh. He could have put them to death. They knew they were in trouble because they were guilty of all of the things that they had done. They couldn't deny it. And now here they are at the mercy of someone who had the authority and the power to have them put to death. And Joseph said, "Uh -uh, don't be worrying about dying because what God was doing, he was sending me ahead of you through the pressure that I was willing to suffer in the present. He was protecting and providing for a nation's Future, I came before you and went through all that I went through. I went to prison. I was accused of rape. I was left and forgotten, changed my name, mistreated. But I went through it all thinking about the vision, about the future, that somehow God was going to allow my suffering to benefit others. I didn't understand it while I was going through it. But all I know is that through the entire time, God was with me. And because I remained hoopo momento, I remained under the pressure. Now you stand before me, able to realize your full potential and purpose God sent me before you to save a nation. Aren't you glad that your parents were willing? I, 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 it used to be that way. Our parents suffered in the present they, they, so that we could have the clothes that we wore, the, the house that we lived in. The, it may not have been the best house, may not have been the nicest car, may not have been the, 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 the nicest neighborhood, but I want you to know that they suffered, that you and I might have our futures protected and provided for, that I can walk in my full potential today. And purpose. Faith suffers in the present to protect and to provide for the future of others. That's what Moses' parents were willing to do. And when you don't take shortcuts, you will be blessing a generation. You will be blessing all of those who come into your presence when you're willing to go through. Here's the second thing about, about faith that doesn't take shortcuts. Faith refuses to use position or privilege to experience sinful pleasures that displease God. Write that down. It refuses to use position or privilege to experience sinful pleasures that displease God. Listen to what verse 24 through 27 say. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh, position. Choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God, privilege, than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, refusing to use position and privilege to engage in sin. Choosing rather to suffer the affliction that to, than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin, in, in, in esteeming the reproach, the blame, the, the, the scorn of Christ greater, identifying with Christ a greater rich riches than the treasures of Egypt, he looked for his reward. By faith, he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured, he hupo minnowed 
as seeing him who is invisible. After he endured, after he refused to take a shortcut, after he refused to take, use privilege and position to, to enjoy sin that was available to him, at age 40, Moses decided that he would take the long route of trusting God until the Lord decided to remove the test that he was under. Somebody say amen. Now, what did Moses do? Here's what the scripture says. He refuses to use his position as an adopted son of Pharaoh to yield to sin. He could have said everywhere he went, I'm, I'm, I'm Pharaoh's daughter's son. I'm Pharaoh's daughter. Let me in this, let me into this, this party. Let me into this situation. He could have used his position. He could have also used his privilege. He, but he voluntarily, the Bible said he decided to identify with God's people and their suffering. He didn't use his VIP status to give him special advantage or favorable treatment. We're always trying to get an edge. We don't want to get to the back of the line. We're trying to figure out how we can see Pookie or, 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 or Betty May, somebody that we know in the line. That's the way we used to go. to. We go to the Uptime Theater, and we wait uh, while in the car in the warm. And then uh, as soon as the line started moving, uh, people would, some of them would just jump in the line. And, and, and rather than fight, people would just allow these bullies to, to have their way. But others would, would say uh, they, would, they, would, they would know somebody at the front of the line, and they used the, their position and their privilege, their relationship with the person, to pretend that they were a relative or that, that they had uh, been in the line. In, re in reality, they had not. Moses did not use his privilege and position. To, uh, to justify doing sin. He refused to experience the momentary pleasures of sin in order to please God, in order to please God. Choosing rather to suffer the affliction, the Bible says, with the people of God, he esteemed the reproach of Christ as more important. By the way, any Christians say, well, sin ain't no fun, and I ain't doing it because it's, it's miserable. No, the Bible says sin is pleasurable. And when we say no to sin, it's painful because the flesh is denied. And so the scripture, yes, sin is pleasurable, but for a moment it is temporary. It is temporary, but often has eternal consequences. Eternal consequences. He would not use his position or his status to justify doing whatever he wanted to do. I want you to know that we have a position and a status with the Lord. We are saved by grace through faith. That not of ourselves is a free gift of God. We are going to heaven. We are eternally secure. And some might say, well, since I have the, the, I'm already got my reservations in heaven and I can't lose my salvation, I might as well enjoy both heaven and hell. I'm going to do my thing. But the, the word of God says we don't use our position in Christ and privileges in him. The privileges that we are already seated in heavenly places with Jesus. That means that everything that belongs to the Lord is ours because he came that we might have life, that we might have life more abundantly. That doesn't mean that I can continue in sin. The scripture says, no, should we continue in sin in Romans chapter 6? It says, may anointer, may it never be. We were not saved from sin to use our position and privilege to continue in sin. We're not serving a God that gave us a sloppy agape, a sloppy love. He saved us and delivered us from sin that we might through suffering identify with Jesus. Paul talks 
talks about identifying with the suffering of Christ. He said, because in order to know Christ, I got to be like Christ. And if I'm being like Christ, the, Jesus says, you will be persecuted. There will be trials and tribulations. But he said, Paul said, I want to know him in the fullness of his, I want to know him experientially so that the resurrection power that caused Jesus to rise from the dead will be my experience in my daily life. We shouldn't be using our privilege and position to justify sin because God is long-suffering towards us. We think we got away. You didn't get away. The wages of sin is still death. Be sure your sins will find you out. Be understand that the Bible says God's heart is not hardened that he can't fill our, 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 our infirmities or that God's ear is deaf that he can't hear us. But we have restricted the ability of God to intervene because of our sins. Please don't misuse the position and privilege that God has given you in Jesus. One of my favorite programs is The Undercover Boss. Some of you are familiar with it where a high-ranking executive will disguise himself or herself to become an entry-level employee to see what the faults and strengths of the company are. And so under this disguise... The undercover executive gives up their position and privilege, and they got to get their hands dirty, and they got to learn, and they go home exhausted, and they're tired, and, 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 they, and they feel like quitting, and they, and they want to say, they want to just say, look, by the way, I don't have to do this because of my privilege. I don't have to do this because of my position. But in order for them to learn, in order for them to model what needs to be applied to improve the company, they go through. I want you to know that the Lord has put us in a position. We're not no undercover uh, bosses, but we are under the blood of Jesus. And as I am covered with the blood of Jesus, the Bible says that I should be willing to endure testing and trial and tribulation as people are watching me as I'm able to overcome with the peace of God that passes all human comprehension. It ought to cause them to want to know, what is this hope? What is it that keeps you from going crazy? Why haven't you quit? Why haven't you put a gun to your head? Why haven't you just cut them out? Because the peace of God is at work. Even when I'm in the capacity of an undercover boss, when I can't fully operate in the liberties because I am living in a sin-cursed world and I'm, no, I'm not free from having to battle temptation, but what I am capable of doing in the power of the Holy Spirit is what Moses did. He did not use his position and privilege as a license to sin because he wanted to please God. Now, why did Moses refuse? to use his position and privilege to sin. I'm glad you asked. Saying yes to sin, to please our flesh, may give us momentary pleasure, but it grieves the Spirit of God, and it brings divine judgment. Or for Christians, we never hear the word judgment attached to believers, but it brings divine chastisement and discipline. And so Moses chose not to operate in position and privilege, rather to resist temptation because he did not want to, to be satisfied with momentary pleasure while at the same time when you and I sin, we grieve, we cause the Holy Spirit to be in pain and anguish 
and bring divine discipline. Here's another reason. Saying no by faith to sin brings divine reward. It brings divine reward. When I resist temptation, when I don't give in, even when I think I can get away with it, the Bible says that he esteemed Christ's suffering as a greater rich, as greater riches than the treasures of Israel. The reward of obedience allowed Moses by faith to see that what Jesus was going to give him because of his obedience, even when he didn't fully understand it, was greater than anything that this world could offer. One of the rewards that we get when we refuse to surrender to sin is spiritual victory over sin. We gain spiritual maturity, and we can be like Christ. But here's the thing that I like about it. Not only am I victorious over sin, and when, I, when people see me, because I'm spiritually mature, they can see Jesus in me and desire him. But the other thing that happens for Christians who are not yielding to sin because they're walking by faith and unwilling to yield to shortcuts is that you have divine authority. We always talking about, I decree and I declare, I bound and I lose. You don't have no authority if you're living in sin. You're not doing what the Lord says do. Saying no to sin brings reward. Saying no to sin, here's the third thing. By faith enables you to see the invisible. You can see what God sees when you are walking by faith and refusing. The scripture says, by faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured, he hupomenoed, as seeing him who is invisible. What happens when I endure, when I refuse to take a shortcut, that I can now see the invisible. I can see what God sees. But more importantly, I can see God in every situation. In the midst of COVID-19, I can see him. In the midst of unemployment, I can see him. In the midst of uncertainty, I can see him. Because when you walk by faith, oh God, you can see the invisible. That's why Moses wasn't willing to give in to the temporary pleasure of sin in Egypt. Oh, you can see, remember the story of Elijah the prophet in 2 Kings chapter 6? He, he, the prophet, the, the, the Gehazi, the servant of, of Elijah, he got up and he looked outside of the, the, his, his, his master's uh, house. And he, there was a, the mountain that the hill he lived on was surrounded by Assyrians. The army had come to capture and take the prophet of God into, into captivity. And so when he ran back into the house where, the, where, where Elisha was, he said, Master, Master, we about to die here. Master, this is the end of the world. Master, the, the, back, the vaccinations aren't what the vaccine's not worth. Master, what are we going to do? And Elijah, Elisha prayed. He said, Lord, help him to see. <laughs> that they that are for us ha, are more than they that are against. I want you to understand, when your eyes are open to, to what God has already revealed by faith, you are able to see the invisible. I know the bridge don't look like it's there, but when I step out on the word of God, on, 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 on trusting in the word of God, the bridge appears every time based on what God has already declared. Somebody say amen. Here's the third thing and final thing. We're almost done. Faith accepts God's word as the truth and obeys. By faith, he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should have touched them. By faith, he, Moses kept the Passover. Here's, the, here's what's interesting. God spoke what God told Moses to do regarding the Passover. That is, when the death angel was going to 
go through the streets of the Egyptian city and taking the lives of the firstborn, but wherever the blood of a, of a lamb without a spot or blemish, a picture of Jesus, the lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world, whenever the angel saw the blood, death angel passed over. He passed by, and all of those covered by the blood, all of those who applied the blood, the firstborn didn't die. Now, what God told Moses to do had never happened, and it made no sense. But guess what Moses did? Because God said it, faith says, God knows what he's talking about, so I might as well obey. God said it, that settles it. And so what Moses did, he told the elders, get ready, get ready, get ready, get ready. Put the blood on the doorpost of your home because the death angel is going to be walking through here in a few more days. And the people did as Moses had commanded. Why did they obey the command of Moses? Because Moses had shared exactly what God had told him to say. He didn't leave out the parts that he didn't like. He didn't ignore what he didn't want to include. He told him exactly what thus saith the Lord. I want you to know when you accept the word of God as the truth, you will obey it. That's the proof for faith without works is dead. Moses obeyed God because by faith, even though they would, the death angel would be passing, they would be going through present dangers. And I can't imagine what it would have been like if I, as the oldest of nine, when I knew that the death angel was coming by, all I knew is that daddy said where the blood is, <laughs> where the blood is, where the blood is. If, if Moses had taken shortcuts, the same death angel would have touched the nation of Israel. I want you to know if you refuse to wear your mask, you're taking a shortcut. You better put some blood over it. Well, I got the blood. By his stripes are healed. You don't wear a mask. By his stripes, you can be dead. Oh, back in the book of 1 Kings, we read about a very prestigious general. His name was Naaman. He was renowned and prominent. He had, he had the highest ranking military credentials in the land. He was known for all of his military accomplishments, and, and people just lived in awe of this great military general. But Naaman had a problem. The Bible says that he was a leper. He had incurable leprosy, much like we have an incurable disease called sin. But a servant who had been captured from the nation of Israel was overheard one day, and she said, there's a prophet in the land of Israel. And if your master could somehow link up to the man of God, he could be healed. And so Naaman went and got a letter, a, a, a certificate, allowing him to go and talk to Elijah, the prophet. And now Elijah's going to be impressed because the king signed the document. Elijah's going to be impressed because uh, Naaman rolls up in his Rolls Royce and limousine and, and, and his entourage. He's got on his full military uh, 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 outfit, his apparel, apparel, and he's looking so impressed. I'm, I can imagine that they sounded the trumpets when he arrived, but remember, he's still a leper. And so the scripture said when he arrived at the prophet's house, the prophet didn't even look out the window, didn't even wave his hand at him, didn't even acknowledge the king's letter, didn't acknowledge his, royal, his, 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 his entourage. He simply told Gehazi, the, the, the servant, go tell him to dip in the Jordan River seven times and he'll be healed. 
Now, Naaman became furious. That's not how he expected to be healed. He wanted to take a shortcut. He knew a better river. He knew a better way. He knew how it should happen. He, he was looking for sensationalism. What he needed was salvation. But So it, it, when, when, he, when it didn't happen, his way took too long. It didn't go down the way he planned. The Bible says that he angrily turned his entourage around. They began to leave, and one of his servants said, Listen, dude, I don't know about you, but suppose he had asked you to do something really hard. I know the Jordan River is dirty, and it makes no sense. I know it doesn't, it, 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 it doesn't calculate. Why, why not one time? Why, not, why you got to dip in it seven times? If I were you, if you want some, men, if you want some healing, you better forget this shortcut not cut nonsense. You better, you better exercise some faith. And so the Bible says that Naaman submitted to suffer in the present in order to experience the blessing of God. And so Naaman walked into the muddy Jordan. I don't know about you. you may be, the Lord may be telling you something right now. I don't know what your Jordan River experience may be. Maybe it's that wayward child. Maybe it's somebody you've been praying for. Maybe it's that job that's just driving you crazy. But the Lord is saying, I want you to step into the Jordan. Oh, I know it's dirty. I know it's confusing. I know you're tired. I, I know COVID is getting on your nerves. But step into the Jordan. And you say, all right, I, I'm in there. I'm suffering. I'm going through. Now, Lord says, now, now dip seven times. <laughs> he said, wait a minute, wait a minute. And some of us, we say, okay, I, you dip one time, and you don't find your healing. The Lord said, I didn't say one time, I said something. Some said, well, I dip twice, and you dip twice. And then you can shortcut, you ain't going to get your blessing taking shortcut. If the Lord says seven times, you better do it every time he said do it. And when you come up on the seventh time, when you are willing to suffer in the present to protect and to provide for the future of others, when you're able to see potential and purpose in others, when you're willing to forsake sin and not use your position and, your, and, your, and, your, and privilege and to obey the word of God as truth, because it is the truth. What God is going to do, we're going to find ourselves healed. Somebody needs healing right now. Somebody's about to give up right now. Somebody's feeling depressed right now. But I hear the word of God say, I know it doesn't make any sense, but take a minute and read my word and listen to what I say. Apply, oh, dip in the word. Let the word saturate your mind. Let the word cover you. Let the word ignite you. And you'll find yourself, your skin, your mind, your way of thinking will be as clean as a baby skin. Faith doesn't take shortcuts. Let's pray. Father God, in the mighty name of Jesus, we thank you for the example of Moses. We thank you for the example of Aramim, Aramim and his wife Jochebed. Oh God, may we be willing as parents and people, many parents see the potential in their children that they are different, that they are unique, that they are exceptional, that God has given them a purpose. May we not be selfish and pursue our own personal interests to satisfy our flesh while displeasing God. And God, may we be willing to obey your word even if we've never I've never seen it done before. And God, I believe you're calling us in this time as a church to do what we've never done before as we trust you. 
We pray this in Christ's name. Amen.